They will race behind you. They will stumble. They will fall. But in time, they will join you in the sun, Kale. In time, you will help them accomplish wonders. This will be your legacy, Superman. And you're listening to episode 195 of the Vigilante 1939 podcast. We are a father-son best mind dynamic where we talk all things DC, Marvel, Star Wars, and more. In this week's episode, we're answering whether or not Superman is still relevant in today's pop culture and landscape. And if not, what is it going to take to do so? I am one of your co-hosts, Nick Zen. Again, before we get into the show, if you take the time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, we will read your review on air. We are, of course, available anywhere you find your podcast at. Just search Vigilante1939 and you will find us. Now joining me each and every week are Nico and Nick Russo Jr., no one stays good in this world, gentlemen. How are you? Yeah. No, we don't. <laughs> not, not, not the mortals here on Earth, but uh, well, we're gonna get a new Superman because they didn't follow that one into the sun. No, oh, unfortunately, oh, that not. one did not get followed into the sun. Unfortunately, so do you all know what was no um, sun? <laughs> uh, do, we're we're starting off electric and steady. Um, do you know is uh, tough about the Variety article, which we don't have to talk about because I want to get to our incredible guest in a sec. But um, did you notice how when they said all the actors aren't coming back, they just don't say Ray Fisher? No, he's not even. <laughs> it was everyone but Ray Fisher. It was Ben Henry. It said all five members of the oh, Justice yeah. League aren't coming back. I'm like, oof. But uh, oof. anyway, uh, it's we, as we if they wiped away that it. character like a virus. He oof. took himself out of it, though. To be honest with you, so yeah, yeah. he did. Well, yeah. Zeddy, yeah. Um, as our resident Superman here, I think it's only fitting that you bring on our. Reverend Superman. Whoa. Oh, no one will get that if you haven't watched those. Those but of you that you will. know this gentleman, I guess, will <laughs> yes. we'll know instantly. Uh, but yes, of course, we do have a very special guest. He's joining us for the first time on this show. You two gentlemen have podcasted with him before, but I'm getting the pleasure of getting to hear all his perspectives, in particular to this character. You can hear him on Discovery Debrief and as well as the comic binge. So, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show, Chris Clow. Chris, how you doing, sir? What a wonderful introduction. I have no idea how I'm supposed to meet the expectation that has been created from that, but I really appreciate it, and I really appreciate the invitation. Thank you very much for okay. uh, for having me on. Okay. Chris, just listening to your opening is better than anything we've done through 196 episodes. <laughs> yeah, right? honest no, to God. No, no. <laughs> it's wow. like the first time that... Oh, that's true. You guys came into my orbit was I, I hadn't met any of you. I hadn't spoken to any of you online. I saw the name of the show and that name is brilliant. So uh, kudos to you gentlemen for getting together and for making this show. 
and for pounding it out for almost 200 episodes yeah, I, yeah. we just got to over 100 on discovery debrief and that's a show that's been around since 2017 so kudos yeah. to you guys well thank you man. way more consistent with it than i ever could hope to be it's a marathon not a sprint y'all <laughs> honestly uh so kind of you to say no it's yeah, been it's been you. crazy that we've done this 196 times and uh over the last couple of years you know with all the craziness that's happened in the world we've been lucky to find a lot of a lot of positivity throughout a lot of positive relationships throughout you being one of them and now that um you're here with zeddy now the group just keeps growing and growing yeah. and i love it and um we're especially excited to have you, Chris, because in doing the Infinite Crisis, Road to Infinite Crisis, and the 52 stuff with you, um, knowing how how much you love Superman and how much you do really um, – I mean, you're the reverend for a reason because you preach, baby. You are, you are as knowledgeable of Superman as anyone that we know, and I'm so glad that um, we're having you on to talk about this, and it's um, – it's kind of an interesting conversation and we'll, I'll let Zeddy and my dad take it from here. But um, we were thinking about stuff to do because, you know, at DC, it's a little, it's a little bit of a sl slow news period now, except for like the once a month trade article that talks about something terrible that happened. Yeah. Um, we find we've, con we've consistently on this show now for a while since really Superman legacy's announcement, um, have really thought about how significant that film is going to be for a lot of reasons. And um, it got us thinking about the character on the big screen a lot. Um, so I'm going to let Zeddy introduce the, the topic, but we're super happy to have you for this conversation. D didn't mean to use the pun super there, but we're there. We're there. <laughs> Zeddy, take it away. It. Love it. It is a very super topic. Yeah, so obviously I, I kind of said it right, right off the top in, in my intro is there's this interesting thing going on that, you know, we've said that there's so much pressure on Superman legacy and it kind of really does back the question, how much interest is there actually in the character of Superman? I think it's kind of a fair point, you know, as we get closer to the movie, uh, especially as, you know, things start to percolate, the actor strike's going to end hopefully soon. So the movie will start filming. Hopefully we'll be hearing a lot more, but there's all this talk that this character is more popular than this character. Where does this character lie? the lack of success that said character in Superman has had. So, uh, Mr. C, let's have you um, pick this off. So where is your sort of stance on Superman and the pop culture uh, landscape as you see it right now? Yeah, you know, this is something that, that we talk off podcast a lot. I think that the two of us, with the two next, Chris, and especially my son, where uh, I was, I'm, I'm old enough to have, to have been, I think it was about 11 or 12 when the first Superman movie came out and it was Whoa. transformative. It was fantastic. It was, uh, it was, you know, I was already reading comic books and, and while he wasn't my favorite character, it opened it for me, it was the opening. It was the beginning of the possibilities of what could come. Christopher Reeve was the perfect actor, the symbol. It's like, it just was fantastic. And the second one was good. And then, pretty much like Hollywood in those days, once it got to the third and fourth that we kind of outgrew the character. And then it was time for Batman to come on board. And yeah. I think Superman kind of got pushed to the wayside there a little bit. And uh, I was a guy that I started reading comics and I started reading Batman. And then I, I would, 
I, I evolved to all the Batman titles and then the Justice League. And then I went to Spider-Man and I never was a true like regular Superman reader, although I did read a lot of that stuff in the Bronze Age. Um, now, as we fast forward to this time, they've they tried with Superman Returns, right? They tried to bring him back and it it really didn't work. And then Snyder, Zack Snyder tried to bring Superman. I thought he did a pretty good take on him. A realistic view of him because we I beg the question sometimes is the character is the true essence of the character being as good as he is is it is it outdated in today's world you know I just have to look around the world and it seems like the public likes their superheroes a little down and dirty with a little bit of uh, blood on their hands if you will a little bit and so we sit and we talk all the time and we say like. Here's a character whose greatest time on the cinematic screen was over 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. And James Gunn, there's no doubt the success he had. He he caught the Marvel wave and brought some obscure characters into household names. We could talk about Suicide Squad, whether or not that was a big hit or not. But now he's tackling a legend, an icon. And as I, as I talk to people out there in the... Um, in, in my work, friends, family who aren't necessarily big comic book fans, but they've seen The Dark Knight. They've seen some of those Spider-Man movies that I don't feel there's no temperament there for Superman. There's really no interest. Mm. Uh, my wife and daughter are kindergarten and preschool teachers at the school there. Halloween's coming up every year. They list their favorite superheroes and he's never in the mm. top he doesn't even make a list most of the time. It's it's really Marvel and Batman and Wonder Woman and Harley Quinn. So I guess for us, we're just we're just trying to figure out here like is the character is the character dated in today's world? Hmm. Yeah, Chris, what do you think? I do not believe that. Um, and I'll I'll give you a few perspectives on why I think that's the case. Uh so just to go back a little bit, I was born at the tail end of 87. So uh, Superman 4 had just been released the prior summer, right before I was born. And uh, little did anybody know, probably at the time, that it was going to be 19 years before <laughs> there would be another Superman movie. It's funny because the last words that Superman says in Superman 4 is, see you in 20. Because he's mm. talking to Lex Luthor as he dropped him off in jail. jail. And we didn't know how prophetic <laughs> that phrase was actually going to be or that statement was actually going to wow. be. So, um, you know, I had, uh, I can't remember my first exposure to Superman. It must have been the 78 movie. I had a clamshell copy of the 78 film and I had Superman 4. And when you're a young kid, you know, you don't make a distinction between uh, chicken salad and the other thing. You just, you, you, you got... Superman. So I just watched a bunch of Superman, gravitated to the character primarily because he could fly. Um, and, you know, when I was uh, like nine years old, thereabouts, that's when Superman the Animated Series started. Uh, and I had read some of the death of Superman when I was a young kid because my brother was reading it at the time. And um, that's, I think that's like my first encounter with heartbreak was reading Superman number 75. Like it, the, I, I hadn't been reading for very long, but I could comprehend enough 
of, uh, you know, 22 splash pages culminating in that final spread that this was a monumental loss for all of the characters involved in that story. Um, so loved when he returned, of course. And then Superman, the animated series is just such a great show that I revisit on a shockingly regular basis, uh, even today. Um, and then, you know, as I got older, you know, into high school and reading things for the first time, like Arkham Asylum and The Killing Joke and, and Year One and Dark Knight Returns and these Batman stories that have such a hard edge to them, uh, you know, naturally, uh, and I was going through some, um, some mental health problems when I was in middle school and uh, I needed a change of pace. I needed some light in my life. And, uh, and that's when I turned to Superman. And that was when I think I really started developing a true love of who this guy is and what he's supposed to represent. Because something that the comics have consistently gotten right, you know, to varying degrees with, with mm -hmm. shifting creative teams, of course, it's that he has a legitimate moral authority. He's not lecturing people. He's not trying to impose his will on anybody. He wants you to make the best choice you can because he believes you have the ability to do it. And um, a story like Birthright, for instance, that came out when I was in high school, gave a couple of additional explanations about why he has such a strong inherent belief in people. Well, it's because he can naturally perceive more about people than a regular human being can. You know, he can feel when someone's heart rate rises he can see when someone's pupils dilate he can hear when someone's blood is pumping through their veins faster it gives instead of what we normally associate with the word alien you know conjuring something cold and hollow and distant everything that makes superman an alien actually makes him warm and empathetic mm. however you'll be very very hard to find you will find it hard to find any of that kind of storytelling represented in cinema mm -hmm. for whatever reason yeah movies you know and granted it took a long time for superman return or what became superman returns yeah. to get off the ground and and because it had been so long it seems like the people in charge like john peters and brian singer and the people in charge of warner brothers at the time like lorenzo de bonaventura seem to think that well we need to go back to what people know we need to go back to the the pro predominant vision of superman that people have in their heads and that was at that point a nearly 30 year old conception of the character uh really pulled from books that predated uh john burns rather revolutionary reimagining of superman yeah, yeah. in the mid 80s uh, which in my estimation was a huge mistake. Um, I was hoping that a Superman return sequel might start to incorporate more of that stuff as time went on. And then we saw how things went. And then, you know, another seven years go by where a, another director, uh, and granted, you know, Christopher Nolan is the one who really got this stuff off the ground. He and David, right. Gray, but mm -hmm. when Zack Snyder came into the picture, his perspective was more akin to, and this is just a total hypothesis on my part, it's total uh, speculation, but considering when Zack Snyder was born in the, was it mid to late 60s? Mm -hmm. So he was, you know, like 19, 20 years old when Dark Knight Returns was coming out. 
when Watchmen was coming out. This, you know, the British invasion of comics, Vertigo books were starting to get a lot bigger. He was gravitating toward those harder edge stories. And it seemed like his perspective on Superman was defined by Dark Knight Returns, which is not Superman, frankly. Mm-hmm. It's a vision of Superman that is designed to fit in a very particular box. Mm. And the movie, like, I enjoy the movie for what it is, but it's not anything close to a definitive Superman story for me personally. I recognize that it has a lot of value to a lot of people, and I would never presume to challenge that. But it is steeped in the ideas of someone who seems to think that Superman is a character that needs to be fixed. That was an idea that... um, that was told to me once by Neil Bailey, who was uh, an ongoing writer at the Superman homepage. I think he reviewed every single episode of Smallville for that page. Mm -hmm. Uh, He went on to become an indie comics creator in his own right and learned under the tutelage of Greg Rucka is very intelligent guy. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think he's right. You know, super people treat Superman as a character who needs to be fixed. They apologize for him rather than celebrate him. Then you have stories come along in the comics like All-Star Superman. Jeff Johns is making a a stake in Superman with something like Secret Origin or his run on action comics with Richard Donner. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kurt Busiek is doing great work with Superman in like 2006, 7. Um, And the comics just have always persisted with an ongoing sort of evolutionary vision of Superman that is unconcerned with what other creators and other media have done. They just do their own thing. And when they do their own thing, they go, well, Superman's a leader of the DC universe. Let's fashion him to be the leader of the DC universe. Let's Mm -hmm. not, because Marvel comics are very reactive to what's going on in movies and they change the statures of characters based Mm, on popular when DC has never done that with Superman. He's always been at the top of the pecking order because you have strong enough creators come along to recognize the intrinsic symbolic and uh, moral value that he brings to the entire proceeding. So then you get guys like Scott Snyder doing a story like Superman Unchained, uh, and that culminates with what's going on right now with Philip Kennedy Johnson and Tom Taylor, which are like weird, awash in great Superman stories right now. They're Mm. just not in other media. So I guess in terms of relevance, the other thing that I would uh, disagree uh, on the idea of a lack of, of modern day relevance is just look at Captain America. Captain America in the movies is descended from some of those really great, relatively recent comic book stories of the last 20 years. Mm. And probably the closest, at least in terms of symbolic and moral leadership that the Marvel universe has, although his you know skill set is more akin to Batman's, but, uh, he's the symbol of hope. He's the sentinel of Liberty in the Marvel universe. And they have carried that over instead of darkening the character himself. When the world gets dark around a a light bulb, it doesn't diminish the light coming from the light bulb. It makes it stand out more against the darkness. So I think that's what you need to do with Superman. You don't need to shy away from all of the complexities and challenges that we face in the world, you know, whether they're, uh, geopolitical or internally political mm-hmm. or you know the changes of social constructs uh, diminishing trust in our collective institutions you don't need to do away with any of that just don't change him see how he responds to those things 
because the way that he responds to those things, you need to default to the idea that he is always going to try to do what he can to help the most people. The tragedy of Superman, he wants to be human, but he can't be. Because he's so capable, if he sees trouble, if he sees something he can do to change the circumstances of a person or something else for the better, he will do it. He's a man of action. It's in action comics, right? He cannot mm -hmm. stop. Someone does something that diminishes the ability for someone else to prosper or hurt someone else. He has to act, whether that is as Superman, whether it's combating institutional injustice or shining a light of truth on things as a reporter. There is an endless stream of relevance for Superman. As long as you stay true to the tenets of who he is and who he's supposed to be, I think you've got an HBO Max show of Clark Kent as an investigative reporter. You just, I mean, they did it in the 50s. You just have to kind of. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they did. <laughs> right? uh, weirdly enough, like that 50s show is so fun to watch now. And if they took some lessons from that, you might be surprised about how much Superman's future could lie in his past. Because George Reeves is Clark Kent. He knocked people around. He wasn't afraid to get scrappy if he needed to. So. I think that if anything, if he is allowed to be himself, Superman is potentially more relevant now than he has ever been because the challenges that the world is going through now need someone to look up to. And why not Superman? Oh, that, I mean, that's, that's so beautifully said, Nico. I mean, yeah. But do people. <laughs> Like I buy every word. I know exactly what Chris is saying. Well, well, you, well you're the you most to, least do, versed out of all of us. Yeah. Yeah. How do you play that out though? With I mean, wow. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this to Zeddy because okay. I came in with thoughts, and hmm. right now the laptop screen is on fire because whatever Chris just did there, whatever Chris just did was some of the most inspiring podcasting. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not just trying to blow smoke at you. That was we're yeah. 22 yeah. in, and I'm like, this is already an incredible conversation. Yeah. Um, Zeddy, you you go because I have uh, I heard a lot of what you two have said so far, and I'm kind of mm -hmm. gonna shape a, a little bit where the conversation can go from here because I think a lot of what my dad is saying there's truth to the beauty of what Chris is saying though, is I think why James Gunn is choosing to do what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And I think we almost have this golden opportunity of this might be the time that that relevancy explodes. Right. And I'll talk about why yeah. in a sec, but Zeddy, um, as the guy really between us three here on the vigilante 1939, who has kind of was the first person to try to get us back on the Superman train a little bit. Um, yeah. talk about it. <laughs> Where are you yeah. on this? Yeah. I mean, oddly enough, I mean, not that we're, you know, just going to be patting each other's backs here a little bit with, with this discussion. We probably will, but I would love to pat all your backs. Yeah, I know I could. Um, <laughs> Why it's, not? It's, it's such a polarizing statement and question to back. Cause I also think that it's one that gets more fair as every day goes by. Cause I'm somebody that believes we truly haven't seen Superman on the big screen. I think we've always seen fragments of his greatest potential 
that could be on the base one. Like, you know, it always feels like, you know, when they do that character, it's almost like they put a character in, in the spot that they're supposed to be in, but then it's too late, right? Like, like you truly go back to something like, like you guys were saying, like Christopher Reeve, it was so easy to buy into him because he had such an innocent charm and likability to him where he was just easy to root for, right? Like as a human being, you always want to root for somebody else. You always want to root for your friend, right? Like that's, that's why I think it was so easy to get behind him. And then when that went away, like Chris said, they panicked and they wanted to go back to that. But the problem was that because it was so somber, right? Like Superman Returns such a somber movie. Now that movie's yeah. aged a little bit. As I've gotten older, I kind of understand what he was trying to go for. It's just the movie is just, it's too somber. It's, you know, it's not, it's not Superman, essentially, right? And then, and then you get to this more darker, edgier Superman that has, you know, relatability aspects to it in the sense that he's kind of an outcast. You know, he's an immigrant that looks like an alien. He chooses to see the best parts of humanity, but he's also questioning why that is. And I think it was the whole de deconstruction angle of Superman that kind of soured people on the character as a whole, right? And then you got the other side. Everybody wants to make him evil for whatever reason. It's always what everybody yeah. wants to do, right? So we always want to deconstruct yeah. the character, yeah. and we almost want to strip away all that relatability to him, you know? So I, I think it, it's one of that. It's it's just been in the presentation, you know. If you'd have told me that, I think the greatest forms of superman media were actually superman and lois if you truly sit down and watch that show if you truly sit down and watch the way that tyler hecklin and elizabeth tolick are acting as lois and clark that's superman and lois to me i mean i think he's really grown into a superman that if you put him on a big screen i think people would love him i mean i would love for my superman to say things like my mom made it for me i mean like that's such an easy way to garner Superman on a mainstream appeal is just show the parts of him that are the best. You know, I mean, there, I don't think there's anything wrong with just showcasing an inherently good person on the big screen that just wants to do the right thing, that wants to see the best parts in humanity. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And it's like why every creator is so afraid to do that kind of puzzles me. Because I think that if we had just shown <laughs> Superman on the big screen from the get-go, Forget all this other deconstruction angles. Forget trying to send him through an arc. Just show him being Superman. And I wonder what that really changes. You know, I think that's hmm. really the ongoing problem here is that, you know, it's it's not that what Snyder was trying to do was bad. It was just, I don't think the point of getting there was right. Like, I don't think that him dying in the second movie was ultimately the right decision. I don't think fiddling with a Justice League movie trying to get him back in the third movie was really the right call either. And then by the end of it, you kind of got him in this black suit that you kind of really aren't going to explain and then everybody wants to just see Superman, right? So it's, it's almost like they don't know what to do with him, but when they do know what, what to do with him, it's too late. So that's why there's all this pressure on James Gunn. I respect what he's doing. I think he has the right template for it. Um, but it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how the way the way that he goes about it because I think he has the right mindset. Um, but again, as long as we just see Superman on the big screen, I think we're okay. I think we're okay. You know, it's, it's funny because we're, we're, we're instead of Vigilante nineteen thirty nine, we're going into Protector nineteen thirty eight from <laughs> <laughs> um, the Men of Steel nineteen thirty eight. 
in the idea of you know someone dismissing superman because he just wants to do the right thing i mean i just don't see how that's not relatable because i feel like most people want to do the right thing you ask them well why do you want to do the right thing their responses are not particularly nuanced or complicated it's just well it's the right thing yeah that's what we have to do superman's the same way the only difference is that you know if the right thing for him is ensuring that a cruise ship doesn't run aground he can do something about it right Mm -hmm. for us if we see trash on the ground ideally the thing we do is we pick it up and put it in the can for him Putting it in the can is just a much larger potential stream of events and, and, and group of tasks that he can pull off because he's, he's stronger than we are. You know? mm-hmm. And he wants to take that on because he feels a sense of camaraderie with people that I think gets shortchanged. I mean, that was one of the greatest contributions that John Byrne gave to Superman at the end of the yeah. Man of Steel miniseries was it's Earth that may makes me human that's the final phrase of the book and uh that's one of the things that makes the lex Luthor rivalry so fascinating because for all intents and purposes luther is a human supremacist he mm-hmm. sees the existence of superman as an affront to the human experience and the human condition he sees the alien without really understanding that it is because he has the ability to perceive so much more that he is potentially more capable of compassion than regular people are and i've never seen that really emphasized in in other media in particular but you know i see it all the time in the comics so that's generally what i gravitate if i need a superman fix i don't go to the the blu-ray shelf i i go to my long box yeah you know zeddy just reinforced a lot and a very strong point that you brought up chris that I, i think i didn't really think about um, in terms of when you said there, it seems like the focus was so much on changing the world and changing the character. Um, and it would have probably worked way better and will work better. Right. When you just focus on the character for what he is. And I think it, it, it was making me think this whole time. I think it's kind of a combination of a few things, but the, the, I think the lack of relevancy, I think I might feel right, is a complete product of how he was handled to kind of go back to what you both were saying in terms of like what Superman Returns tried to do and they wait until Zack Snyder and flat out, you know, let's be honest, what Zack Snyder tried to do with not just Superman, with all of his films was they weren't accessible on the largest scale. And then I look at a character like Spider-Man who – I consider right now the most popular superhero um, for this mainstream audience. But going back to your point, Chris, I think about all the iterations on the big screen and they really haven't changed the character. And when they introduced, you know, into the spider verse, all those other characters, they give those same qualities that make Spider-Man and Peter Parker so special. Right. And that's why I think films like Into the Spider-Verse, a movie like No Way Home, where he's trying to cure villains, right, um, work on such a large scale. 
Then you go to the other guy at DC with uh, the cape, the ears, the Batman, right? Well, he works in a very dark way. And he was riding off popularity because Warner Brothers went right back to him. Mm -hmm. And coming off films that exploded because they were revolutionary for cinema at the time. But then it's interesting. You look at that Snyder stuff too, and people have a problem with that Batman. Not many people complain about Christian Bale. Not many people complain about Keaton and even a little bit with maybe the Robert Patton stuff, but like they do keep in every iteration, except for maybe, you know, Batman and Robin and stuff. They keep Batman pretty true to what he is, even though even some of the extreme Snyder used have very popular source material to support it you know, in terms yeah. of the yeah. dark Knight returns. So I think the reason why this audience isn't as in the Superman from my perception, it, it, it might really not be because there's nothing relatable or nothing quote unquote cool about him. But like they haven't had anything put in front of them. Like you said, Chris, that's that compelling. Like, the MCU works so well because how accessible those films are. Like, I don't know, like if, if, if you tried to make one of those characters in a different way, like what if they made like Thor, like even way more Shakespearean and gritty, it probably doesn't work. Do you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. Captain America, I, I thought that was a brilliant comparison of, they they capture a lot of what makes Captain America special. And in a movie like Civil War, he's being challenged, but he's not changed. All of a sudden he's not violent. All of a sudden he's not, you know, it's it's he was put in this impossible choice of doing the right thing or protecting his friend, which is a very human thing to do. So um it's just so interesting because everything my dad was saying and everything that uh Chris and Zeddy are saying, it's almost culminating in a way that's really getting me interested more for Superman legacy. Cause I think James Gunn has this opportunity and this really is the chance, right? Because James Gunn is very good at character and he knows audiences pretty well. And um, he's alluded to the fact of the story being loosely about, you know, him trying to be himself in a world that's very jaded in a world that's very broken. Right. So that, that goes directly with, with what you're saying, Chris is, um, we he should be challenged in a way that kind of protects those qualities about him and not kind of bringing him down with it. Um, I want to throw it back to my dad for a sec. Do do you are you feeling kind of what I'm feeling now, where it's more of like um, I I I do I do I guess yeah. the challenge for me is I completely understand the character the the the. It's not that people don't want to do the right thing or see the right thing. It's how do you show that and make it entertaining mm. to a general audience? See, this is this is the conundrum that always comes back to me. There's a couple things with Superman too. He's so powerful. I almost think he's too powerful um, on 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 a lot of different levels. Where um, all those Marvel characters were very powerful, but they could all be killed. And I know he was killed by Doomsday, but I almost don't count. BVS, I, I, it's hard for me to really take that, that characterization of Superman like really seriously and 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 create it as some definitive cinematic yeah. portrayal, even yeah. though it is, even though it is right. And Man of Steel, look, 
I think that movie was a great movie that it, it just had a terrible third act and it went off the rails a bit. I think the potential was there for it to really be something. And it, it just, it is what it is. So my biggest challenge is that we, we've dissected, of course, how special Superman is and what separates him. And I agree with all that. My whole thing is that how do you make that interesting? Mm -hmm. Right. To an audience, which is why I always say there's got to be a great love story to it. There's got to be some comedic elements to it. And Zeddy said it earlier, um, knowing James Gunn as I do, and this this is something I want to throw to you guys. You know, there has to be a, a comedic element that I think is is goes back to the Donner days. I mean, I, I we didn't see it much in Returns, and we never really saw it at all Jeez, no. in in Man of Steel and. Look, the chemistry, I, I've said it before, behind every great superhero, not Marvel superheroes, but Superman for sure is a great woman, and Lois Lane is a for, is a fierce force woman. And mm -hmm. I think they've got a great, you know, casting and, and Rachel to play her. So I guess for me, throwing it back to you guys, whoever wants to take it, I mean, don't you think it, it has to be a lighthearted, like, I always say rom-com on our show, I, I tease, but it's got to have some of those elements in there because ultimately too, the thing about Superman is the love story. And I don't think I know the man of steel had, I, I never did buy the chemistry between the two of them. And she's a great actress, Amy Adams, you know, yeah. and Superman returns was awkward. It was, it was him coming back. It, it, to me, that was a very awkward story. I don't think stopping so, Lois Lane's bedroom is exactly the right, right. The right, the right wait, either. So wait, <laughs> real, real quick. Have you guys seen the new thing that, um, uh, they have to be Snyder fans are doing on Twitter. No, no. Someone tweeted that like Henry Cavill and Amy Adams didn't have chemistry. So then there was a tweet that went semi viral that's saying, um, are there any people out there who've had, successful relationships who claim that Henry Cavill and Amy Adams didn't have chemistry. Like if you're not happily committed, like you're a fraud, if you say that. So well, now people are trying to fight years, them. Though. Well, but no, but like now people are fighting back. That's like, funny. like I no, love Derek crazy, to man. death. Well, where's Derek <laughs> grabbed shots at him, but like he shared the picture of him and his kids, which was funny. And he's like, I have, so there's this whole thing. Like, <laughs> that was just a wild trend I saw happening lately. Like now we're resorting to no. Mm -hmm. Now now the way that people are trying to stay relevant is saying if you've ever claimed they don't have chemistry, you're incapable <laughs> of love yourself. Anyway, um I'll yeah. throw it back to Chris with the love story thing. People like I mean, romance, Chris. I mean, yeah. a core component of Man of Steel, like a key theme of that whole movie was letting go of the past. Mm -hmm. but there's an entire segment of yeah. fandom that is so they're, they're holding on so tight to what the, the former DC EU used to be. It's just like, guys, watch your movie again. Yeah. You know, it's time yeah. to, it's time to move on. I mean, <clears throat> when it comes to like the inclusion of a love story, I mean, the thing that I find inherently an uh, increasingly fascinating, especially as I get older, about the rapport between Superman and Lois is that, like, the whole point, the reason that they ended up getting together 
was because first of all, Superman recognizes an intellectual equal and he's looking for a partner. He's not looking for some sort of like frivolous kind of pursuit. He's trying to, to find someone who can continuously help to challenge him and make him better every day. So naturally an arbiter of truth in one of the, in, in Canon, you know, one of the world's most skilled journalists is going to be uh, the, the person who is able to help him do that. Um, I would like to see that emphasized. I think that the casting of Rachel Brosnahan certainly gets closer. I mean, I watched marvelous Mrs. Maisel. She can keep up with the best of them. Mm, and yep. that's, a, that's a trait that is easily associated with Lois Lane, yep. especially in the comics. You know, she's someone who does not back down, whether you're talking about captains of industry or new gods, she doesn't back down. And uh, so I would certainly like to see that emphasized in terms of humor. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that the instance that Zeddy pointed out about um the you know the the brief scene in the was it the first episode of Superman and yeah, Lois? It was the pilot. I think my yeah. mom made it, and that's straight out of Superman for All Seasons mm-hmm. by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. It's a great. Uh, scene. Superman for All Seasons, I think, is and I think James Gunn even commented recently because the Absolute Edition came out, which is beautiful, mm-hmm. and I, I snatched it up as soon as it was released, <laughs> even though I probably could have gotten a better deal later. I couldn't wait. Um, <laughs> He cited that as a, uh, at least one of the inspirations on on the the screenplay that he wrote and the movie that he's making, and one of the things that that set of stories does so well is it emphasizes the humanity by showing us what his own sort of internal separation from the people that he loves looks like. You know, he is troubled by the idea of being different from everyone around him even though he's generally at peace with the kinds of things that he can do he's still going through turmoil because all of a sudden the things that he can do are starting to manifest in a way that makes very clear that he's not like other people and that's Mm -hmm. something that he really struggles with in that story uh you know he goes to sit down for a haircut and the scissors break and he just runs out really embarrassed about what just happened and you know the barber's like oh well there's a crappy piece of scissors yeah. what's going on and he's just like oh my god what did i yeah. do you know yeah. this is everything that you know that i have taken comfort in from home is starting to not be as comforting as it used to be it's a magnification of the turmoil that i think all adolescents feel at some point or another it is an amplification of the human experience the best Superman stories do that. There is endless opportunity to tell us stories about ourselves through the, the sort of magnification and of the Superman character. I can't help but I mean, you guys brought me on, so it's your fault. I can't oh help God. but think of, uh, of, of, of Star Trek. Uh, that Heck is a franchise yeah. that has persisted primarily on television since 1966. Yeah. The yeah. most recent live action series is called Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which is fantastic and you should watch it. it takes place roughly 10 years before the original series. It's very good. Um, and it has 
you know, the trend in TV now is leaning on serialized storytelling, long form stories that can last a season, right? The key conceit of Star Trek Strange New Worlds is a return to an episodic format. There are some semblances of ongoing stories, but they're told within the bounds of different separated episodes. They kind of harken back to how TV used to be, but still reflective of modern sensibilities, modern production standards, modern storytelling, modern characterization. And it's one of my all-time favorite shows that's on right now because it takes the the template of something that is time-honored and tested with the ideas that people associate with something like the Star Trek franchise and it puts it out for the world to see today. And it is a... a, a an uncategorized success like it is a very very successful show at least you know we'll see how things look on the other side of the the sag after strike when things Mm -hmm. are all said and done Mm -hmm. but all that to say that's a franchise that never lost sight of what it was but Mm -hmm. it evolved with the times one of the things that i love about star trek is that it continuously has to reinvent itself about every 10 years hmm. in order to stay relevant and to tell us yeah. stories that are reflective of the world that we live in now in other media and particularly on film the stewards of superman have never done that yeah they've never yeah. even tried it so I don't think that you need to stray too far away from who he has always been, because if you want to really get right down to it, we've never really seen who he has been consistently since 1986 at Mm. minimum. Yeah. So why not try doing that? And I hope, I mean, I've, I've seen those Instagram posts and those other like threads posts or Twitter posts that James Gunn has, uh, has put out there with the, library of graphic novels that he's absorbed and burn has definitely been in there um so my hope is that the conception of superman as will be laid out in the movie in 2025 is informed primarily by those most meritorious aspects of the source material and uh given to obviously a capable filmmaker to communicate why this is a character that has persisted because i think that's a critical part of the conversation too uh if superman lacked relevance totally then we wouldn't be having action comics number 1072 today uh we would not be seeing these television exploitations people Mm -hmm. would keep trying to crack it if there wasn't something there in other media and they're not talking enough to the creators who are responsible for driving Superman stories on a monthly basis. Uh, if they did, they might find that they get a different result, but they've never tried mm. it before. It looks like they might finally be starting to try mm. it. We'll see. And yeah. that that poses an interesting question, Chris, that I think we've wondered before, but I don't think we've ever talked about it in much detail. Also, shout out to you because 196 episodes, the first time that Star Trek has ever been talked about. <laughs> and heck yeah, man, there's a first time for anything, even there's at 196. And Long you live did and it, prosper, baby. And you did it beautifully. Um, <laughs> it's Strange New World is the one with uh, Anson Mount. Yes, yes. That guy's got great hair in that show, oh, man. man. You're telling me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> whatever whatever moves he's like, using in that hair. Geez, good for him, man. Seriously, um, try that show, though. It's great. Yeah, it is. You great. both have talked about You've mentioned it now a lot of times, Chris. I think, Zeddy, you mentioned it, and maybe 
uh, friend of the show, Emmett Davis from Gathering mm. of the Geeks. He might have yeah, mentioned it before too. So. And yeah. if you also have to us, and I'm forgetting you, I'm so sorry. Um, I'm I'm still too focused on the other star show because it had something cool going on at the moment. Um, <laughs> totally different. Totally different. Totally different. But that brings up a good question. And honestly, anyone can take this because I kind of want everyone's input on it. Yeah. It's It's so interesting. Like, why is it? It's funny that we're sitting here going, okay now is the time that we might get what we're all talking about. This version of the character, this film, now Superman feels like a priority. Now Superman feels like a focal point. Okay. James Gunn is doing it. And we're talking about 2023 after an entire DC universe came and went after we're 30 plus films into the MCU talking about a culmination of things. It's headed towards a culmination it's headed towards a culmination of things that happened prior to the MCU's conception. And yet we're sitting here going, Oh, here's the first solo Superman movie in another decade, which was seven years after another one, which was like you said, Chris, 19 years after another yeah. one. It's so interesting. They Sony was getting nervous with amazing Spider-Man Two. the MCU came calling. They went right for it. Um, Affleck steps down from the solo Batman film and they go right to Matt Reeves, right? They go right to that. Um, they were quick to throw Keaton back into the flash, you know, I'm wondering why is it? It's like, it felt like those two times with Superman in 06 and 2013. I know they were building to a universe, but even we got two wonder woman films out of this. We got two Aquaman films out of this. We got two Shazam. We got a blue beetle. We got a birds of prey. Like, yeah, it's yeah. like Superman gets a shot. And then it doesn't go as well because also by both those films measures, I know they didn't do quote unquote well, but I mean, dear goodness, if Shazam could get a sequel doing what it did, I don't see how at least they didn't go. We got to run it back with Henry one more time and try to do a solo Superman thing. Like, I just don't know why this character, it's so interesting, Chris, like you were saying, how has cinema still not done it? I feel like we've gotten a – opinions will change in what I'm about to say, so listeners, calm down. I feel like for the top two, for Spider-Man and Batman, you have so many versions that one of them is definitive, right? And they've all been pretty fairly successful in their own right. If you're a fan of Wonder Woman, I mean, that first film is really good. There's a lot of good stuff in the MCU. And it's like with Superman, we're still like, you either really love 78 or there's this new group of fans that really love Man of Steel. But there's like hardly an in-between in cinema. And those two couldn't be more different. So it's like, wow, we're sitting here going, okay, 2023, now – they're going to get Superman fully right after all this stuff. It, it's just fascinating to me. And I'm wondering why do you all and um, Zeddy, you could take it first. Like mm-hmm. why haven't – like does it go back to my dad's point, which like Chris had the different perspective of? Is like it, it's, it's almost like they were trying to find ways to make the character interesting when they could have just went simple mm-hmm. and just did him. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's interesting you bring up because when you really look at it in hindsight, every time they've, or I guess when they did a Superman movie and it didn't work, what have they typically done? They put him back over the TV. 
right? It's almost like they've punished the character because he didn't resonate on the big screen. So they decided to put him back on the small screen where he's typically had more success. But the problem with TV is that just by nature, less people watch TV than they do. Well, I guess today now that kind of backtracks it. But I think the point I'm trying to make is that, you know, you're almost relegating the character to less potential by punishing him, by putting him on the smaller screen, just because he didn't work on the big screen. Like, could you imagine if, say, Man of Steel had didn't work and they didn't decide to run it back and just course correct with a totally different vision, keep Cavill, see if they can salvage it again, right? The whole landscape is probably different of what the DCU is or was ever going to be, assuming they make it work the second time around. I think, to me, it's just... I think the era of filmmaking has also changed since Man of Steel has also came out. You know, you look at like Superman Returns, that's still a mid-2000s film. You know, a lot of those mid-2000s films are kind of, they they went for more harder, edgier, somber. You know, you took a little more creative liberties in your early 2000s. So it was okay to almost make a Superman movie like Superman Returns. Whereas I think today it's like nobody goes and sees that movie. Whereas in 2006, people still went and saw it because they were curious. They just didn't like it. Whereas I think now, and it's like, you know, we we ripped the MCU for its formula because it's a, all the films feel like the same. But I think when I look at it from a perspective of like when I watch the MCU in hindsight, people want to go to the movies. They want to have a good time, right? They want to see characters that they like. They want to hear some good songs that, that they like hearing in a, in a movie. They just want some relatability, maybe a good romance story, maybe some good action. These are all core elements of what make a good movie, right? So I think the problem is that I think we're just overthinking this whole construct of how to make a Superman movie work. As we've always said it on the show too, right? If you just showed a little bit of romance between Lois and Clark, they haven't been afraid to do it, you know, on television. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing it on the big screen. Uh, maybe do a cooler villain that's not Lex Luthor or, or Zod. You know, maybe don't show Metropolis getting, you know, destroyed you know, decimated that. decimated you know i it's think tiring. it's, it's not tiring that, yeah we don't want oh, to see I just that think again. We need to just strip down the six a little bit you know and just show that because i i think honestly if you just made a superman movie that had a lighter tone i think you, you showed a little bit of romance you know i mean there's this movie hitman yeah you know with glenn powell and you know and all the adjectives that i'm hearing with that is that you know it's sexy it's riveting it's charming you know those are all elements that i think would make in a good superman movie so it sounds like an ad for the know, vigilante. 19 it sounds like an ad for the Especially after yeah, tonight. No, but, but I, I think what I'm trying <laughs> yeah. to say is that, you know, it's not that he can't be accessible. I think you need to make a movie that's more set in these modern times. Any character can work in any movie now. Yeah. It's just whether or not you can make a good not the flash. movie. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry. That was, uh, and I, I, love think, I think that's neither here nor there oh, for other reasons. They, uh, yeah, not, not nobody, uh, nobody could get ooh. him to get his, his swagger back. I'm just going to dummy it down here. He, he's he got no swagger right now. He he just doesn't with the general audience. He, he hasn't since the mid since the 70s, the 80s. Yeah. Um, for a variety of reasons that we all Chris eloquently put down there. That's the key to Superman is that. You know, harness the character, keep him true to his roots, but you got to make them cool. It's got to be, it's got to, it's got to have all the elements of, of this four quadrant film that people want to go see. Uh, if anybody can do it, I think gun can do it, mm -hmm. but I'm also not a guy that's going to, 
follow these Twitter people that say it's a done deal. It's going to be the biggest thing ever. I, it, it it's kind of like, yeah, you're going to have to prove it to me. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've, I've been watching this character for a long time and they're afraid. The studio's afraid of this character, at least the powers that we, that were in charge previously were because when the movie didn't do whatever expectations they thought it was going to do, they cut bait on the first one. And on the second one, they right away turned to Batman because Z who knows what would have happened. But the tone of that movie was so different that it would have been weird. It would have been weird having a sequel that was kind of lighthearted and the essence is super. It it just, it would have felt completely different. So as I throw it to you, Chris, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I mean, you have to take all the core elements of Superman and make it entertaining and to get that, that appeal back to an, a general audience. Because if there's one thing I'll say about a general audience, we all sit here, we all, you know, we all see these movies and we think, oh, a general audience will like this movie. And then we're wrong. The general audience doesn't really know what it, what they want either. Right. I mean, did the general audience know they wanted Barbie? No. Did the general audience know they wanted Oppenheimer? No. You know, did the general audience think we all thought they were going to love Flash and Keaton back and nobody saw it, you know? So they're they're what the general audience wants is to be entertained. Yeah. They want to escape. Um, and they want to, uh, they, they'll believe the unbelievable. This place. <laughs> right. And I, and I, but I, the only thing I get back to is that is the character too, too pure, too good, too Messiah-like. In today's world, for people to buy in, I'm not. I'm not sure. I say no. I think he can do it, Gun. Hmm. But part of me is that cynic in there because all those other heroes, Spider-Man, he's got a lot of doubt. Spider-Man, he is the biggest there is right now, but he's constantly tormented with self-doubt and guilt over what what happened to him in his life, over the events of what he caused. Superman doesn't really have that. He's an alien from another planet. He's all powerful. He's all good. He's altruistic. And he is like a godlike figure. And that's to me where the challenge comes to humanize him, where the audience can identify with him. But that's why to me, and I'm going to throw you, Chris, it's, it's got to be pretty lighthearted and comedic for me. Um, if they really want to have success, I'm not talking about a comedy, but I'm talking about, it's got to be moments where you're you're smiling and you're having a good time watching it. I just don't think they could go too dark. I don't know whatever the premise is, who the villain is, whatever it's going to be. But it's to me, it's got to be more of a you. And you know what? You're right. To me, there's been no better adaptation than the animated series. If they were able to take elements of that Superman animated series and translate that to the big screen, then I think then I think they could have a big hit on their hands. Mike Carlin agreed with you. I remember uh, an interview with him where he said, if we made these as movies, no one would ever question if Superman was cool. I, I yeah. agree. And, uh, and he's, he's probably right. Look, another thing that I think is, is important to consider is uh, differentiation. Because what are the most popular TV shows of the last like 15 years? Breaking Bad? Game of Thrones, yeah, right? Yeah, right. Characters, stories about characters that are steeped in total darkness. Yeah. You know, the, the Game of Thrones, at least to me, seemed defined for most of its run 
by, you know, hinting at potentially some sort of victory for the Starks before throwing a red wedding into the mix. Yeah. Right? It, was, it was just all about, it seemed to me anyway, punishing the audience. I personally was fine checking out of that show after the end of the first season because the only guy I liked he was a goat there's no doubt about it he was the so, best. Yeah. I, I i caught it in the periphery because my wife is a big fan of it and she's read all the books and everything and i, I just kind of oh, sat word. back in like the war against the dead i was like i read this in blackest night and i liked it better than <laughs> but um it's true so in terms of differentiation yeah. superman provides something totally different you know and I think that it's critical as well to digest the idea that, yes, he does have moral certitude. He does have an assuredness, but he wasn't born with it. You know, he, he earned it over time. Mm. Uh, what I said before about legitimate moral authority stems from his life experiences, whether it is, you know, look, I, this might bring things down a little bit, but if you are a baby Kryptonian holding your pet dog in its last moments of life, and you're able to perceive the exact moment that its heart stops beating, mm. you might start to develop an appreciation for life that other people may not have had otherwise. Yeah, yeah. fair. Yeah. You know, or um, what was it that we, we recently on the comic binge read uh, the the War World saga by Philip Kennedy Johnson, which is spectacular, mm -hmm. by the way. It's basically like, what if Dune existed with a character as morally certain as Superman as the hero? Um, but there was an annual in there where uh, it was actually it, it was unique innovation as far as I knew where Martha Kent was actually going through treatment for cancer mm. and was wearing a wig and some bully who didn't like Clark uh, threw a ball in his direction and bounced off of him and knocked his mom's wig off. And he was furious. He just wanted to tear the kid apart and he totally could have. Right. Yeah. So against his parents' wishes, one night he goes to the bully's house and is going to do something whimsical, like take all the tires mm. off his dad's car or something. And he overhears commotion. And that kid is being beaten by his father, mm. which totally changes the equation in Clark's eyes because he goes instantly from a bully to a victim. Mm. And his ability to hear it, his ability to kind of feel the pounds in the air as his father's fists are colliding with his son has a profound impact on, on the restraint that he ultimately develops, you know, and I'm not necessarily saying that these are things that I need to see adapted, but all I'm saying is that Superman's authority does not come from an illegitimate place. It comes mm -hmm. from lived experiences coupled with an ability to perceive more about the world around him. And I think mm -hmm. that that's a really important part of it. If it the is. movie can illustrate effectively why people should pay attention to him. I mean, it doesn't really matter if the characters in the story or like authorities in the story, like the police or the government hmm. want to 
take his words at face value. As long as the audience is given a reason to know why he does the things that he does and why he believes mm. the things he believes, that's what's most important. Mm -hmm. And uh, illustrating that his authority is legitimate and that it comes from ultimately a place of compassion because there's enough suffering in the world. I think that we live in a world right now that is starved for that kind of storytelling because predominantly we're getting breaking bads and better call Saul's and game of games of Thrones. Ozark. Or, or Ozark. Sure. Yeah. My mom yeah. loves Ozark. She, yeah. Watch Ozark. Chris. <laughs> I don't need to be more depressed. Another lighthearted <laughs> light television show. I'm just a swimming, <laughs> swimming experience. I'm a reporter. I have to read the news on a regular basis to do my yeah. job. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, if, I, I think that it does come down to a kind of differentiation. You know, there's enough of those kinds of stories. You can find those anywhere. Mm -hmm. I have never subscribed to the notion of needing to darken superheroes more. Like, if you want to read a dark superhero-esque comic book, The Punisher is available on the shelf. Mm -hmm. Go pick it up and read it and, and enjoy it. Mm -hmm. But don't try to tell me that you need to turn Superman into that. That's not the purpose that he served. Yeah. yeah. So as yeah. long as the creative team keeps that in mind and illustrates enough to the general audience, why he's someone worth listening to and why he's someone worth paying attention to and potentially believing in, then that's all I want. I want something to celebrate that yeah. instead of making excuses for it and trying to fit him in a box that he doesn't fit in. Hmm. Just make a Superman movie. Try it. It's never been done before. <laughs> yeah. Outside of... 1978 through, well, 1980, and then I was going to say, yeah, Superman, depending yeah. on who you ask. And I, and I think <laughs> I actually think Gunn is the perfect guy to do it too, because I mean, I, I really do think that, uh, yeah, I, he's got such a way with characters to make you fall in love with them, and I, I think he, I think he knows what he's doing here. I think, I think it'll be good. Like I said, my my only thing is that you know it just has to. He did just make it, us care about aliens in the last one. <laughs> yeah. In the last Guardians movie, you think yeah, well, and it. you know, in something like Man of Steel, it was like swing and a miss because yeah. they came close in a couple of instances. There are it, certain uh, scenes that are lifted directly from Secret Origin, like uh, you know, can't I just keep pretending I'm your son? You know that when you read that in the book, like it is, mm. it is a resonant scene. You know, it's just the tragedy of this kid who just wants to belong yeah. and feels like he doesn't have the ability to do right. so anymore. That's heartbreaking. Man of Steel as a movie to me said the word hope a lot, but it didn't give enough credence to the emotion because hmm. that's hmm. not really what Snyder was interested in doing. He was interested in showing us something that everybody already really knows that Superman can throw a tank through a steel door and have his eyes light red and you know he came close in a couple of instances but i don't think he leaned hard enough into the humanity and and uh nico one of the things that you and i spoke about on a relatively recent episode of the comic binge and I, nick you might have been there too is just like those movies particularly under snyder leaned so far into the stoic iconography of gods on earth yeah that they lost mm. the human component right they, I, I i don't disagree with you whatsoever um what a great point yeah i do and and i think kind of those nuances that you're talking about chris and that perception of the world i i haven't 
seen that in anything Superman really either. A little bit when I was still watching Superman and Lois, but you're right. And I do think to to reinforce what my dad said, his gun is so great at those character moments and those little he details. Big. He's big. Yeah. And I do think though, there's a little bit added pressure. Um, and we kind of have like final thoughts on this is um well, I think he's the right person for it. This movie's kind of a um, man. It's so interesting, at least in the superhero realm. James Gunn's kind of career. So he's finished a trilogy and um, a trilogy of of very lighthearted moments, but incredible comedy, but very obscure characters, a lot of emotion, and then he's done this raunchy r-rated small pocket of the dc universe with more obscure characters but still got you to care he did elevate a character like peacemaker when when i walked out of suicide squad the suicide squad i'm like okay i like what john cena did but i i don't know of all the people i just saw why he's getting the show and then he proved me wrong so i think he he's now got to go in in the center here now he has a household name a character with with so much so much rich history things to draw from and now he really has to appeal to he's not adding to this already well-oiled machine he's trying to use this character it's almost in a way superman's comeback i feel like and the launching of an entire universe and um he's not going to be doing an r-rated raunchy thing with it either so he's kind of fine he he's in the middle here and uh I, I just hope and I do believe that he's he has enough skills on the extreme ends of the spectrum here that he's able to just kind of pull everything to a healthy center. Um, so I guess final thoughts. How confident are you in James Gunn? <laughs> Mr. Gunn. <laughs> go ahead, Mr. Six. I accidentally cut you off. My bad. Who, me? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I try, Look, I'm going to be short and sweeter. I, I think if anybody can do it, it's James Gunn. I think uh, there is pressure for sure, but um, seeing what I've seen him do and really at the end of the day, all his movies are about a heart and no matter how it gets there, if it's with an F-bomb or if it's with a a talking raccoon or a tree or whatever, he's pretty successful at that. Um, But there is pressure. I'll leave it at that. There's pressure because uh, DC just in general, and that's another show. DC in general is is just not a brand on the big screen. And um, no one understands that really outside of us and our Twitter. No, nobody really gets that really. It, it just, it is what it is. So he's got a lot on his shoulders. We'll see what happens. Chris, final thoughts? Um, yeah, look, he's capable. It's certainly not, uh, not an issue of understanding his capability. I mean, I, I just sent sent to you guys in the private chat. I wrote an op-ed after watching Brightburn about how like it was it was okay. Like as a movie, it was fine, but I was depressed as hell after seeing it. Yeah. It just reinforced the idea that people were obsessed with a distortion of Superman and not Superman mm-hmm. himself, which I found a little demoralizing. But um yeah, and- that's depressing. That's a depressing film there. It is. It I'm is. curious to read. I can't wait. Um, and Gunn's name is on that, you know. Yeah. A little bit of a separated capacity, but he's he's still a part of it. Um, 
he didn't write it directly though so it's probably not something i would necessarily it's not something i hold mm -hmm. against him or anything it's just an interesting coincidence mm -hmm. but um yeah i think he can do it uh i i loved all the guardians movies uh i actually thought way unlike my my, my buddy paul uh, i actually thought they got better each time um so he gun has excelled at you know exploring the emotional reality and i am wholly uninterested in realistic superhero movies because a realistic superhero movie is in and of itself a contradiction in terms yeah. right more, yeah. like we, we 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 read these stories or we watch these movies uh because they are about icons that are broad and big and they're capable of doing things that no one else can do batman included batman is you know as as much service as is given to his quote-unquote realism batman is still a fantasy just a fantasy with more terrestrial language than other superheroes are hmm. with superman the uh i guess the canvas is bumped up to a, a, a much bigger level but there is a significant amount of potential in exploring his connections to humanity that i have never seen sufficiently explored in a movie before and I hope that that is the emphasis. It sounds based on, you know, what he, what James Gunn has said and the kinds of stories that he has put forward as examples of spiritual sort of inspiration for what he's going for. Stories like All Star or For All Seasons. Um, it sounds like that's what he's leaning toward. And mm -hmm. I really hope that he pulls it off. I'm not going to say that I'm in the tank one way or another. I've I've been to this rodeo too many times yeah. before. To yeah. get <laughs> too high. Um, I hope that he pulls it off and, um, if anyone can do it, he can, but I will withhold final judgment until I walk out of the theater the day that I see it. Ideally an early midnight showing, uh, high five and Paul on our way out of the theater. That's awesome. Oh man. That's going to be amazing. That's amazing. Uh, see, can you oh. do it? Can you do it? <laughs> can you fly? <laughs> oh man yeah look i mean i i have all the faith in the world and james gone you know i think much like anything in life i think it's just you got to go back to basics sometimes you know and i think that's what james gone just needs to do it sounds like he's doing all the right things that he can to at least develop a movie that feels much different than what's came before which is good right off the bat you know i i think he's been saying all the right things which is what i want to hear but i think what's going to be interesting is how much of an event the movie truly is going to feel like you know like i truly felt like the batman was this welcome back to the big screen event and i feel like because that movie just felt like such an event it just made the movie feel bigger for me so i'm just wondering if that's what if that's the approach that they're going to take like just make if you can just find a way to just treat superman the way that matt reeves treated batman i think you're in a good spot because i'm i'm always for you know if you your affinity your love for something i can feel that like, if I can feel that James Gunn loves Superman, I can feel that when I'm sitting in the theater and I'm watching the movie. And that, to me, is all is all really I need to know. You know, if you're going to make a Superman movie that, that makes me feel all warm and fuzzy, makes me want to high-five random people I don't know when I get out of the theater, I think you might find get an A+. And I think that's what it really comes down to is that, you know, you just you need to feel good when you watch a Superman movie, especially afterwards, right? Like you shouldn't be questioning. Yeah, you shouldn't be depressed. No, nope. shouldn't be depressed. Shouldn't be questioning your life. You shouldn't be wondering what what did I watch. You know, <laughs> um, 
So Good I think that, that's that's what it's really. What did gonna, I watch? <laughs> what did I watch? Um, that's what it's going to blame. Did the dirt rise from his grave? Yeah. What? That's like Nico what? and I remember though we did walk out of Man of Steel. Remember, like, what did we just watch though? We were like, well, we we always said that third act is just like. No one stays good as well. What did you like, I was physically <laughs> ill walking out. Someone movie. else listen to me. I remember why. someone else brings up someone else. Maybe on, you should have killed those people, son. What? <laughs> what? Someone else brings up the scene that I that I always come back to. It wasn't on this show, it's on a different one, and then we'll we'll get out of here because I know yeah. it's late. But yeah. um when Zod throws I don't know if it's a car or something. And he moves at him, away, and he just jumps over <laughs> it, and it hits a building behind him. The whole building just in flames. I'm like, yeah, he would have caught that, wouldn't he? I'm like, why didn't he catch that? Slam right on Wayne Tower. And then we always talk about the the, the kiss with Lois after. Everything oh man! You know. They're standing amidst all carnage, making so, out. Someone like, got a shot at testosterone in the air. I see. Listen, but he, here, here's what I'll, I'll close. With. Yeah, close out. If We're he nails, to close. if he's, thank you. If he nails, <laughs> if he nails Superman Legacy, in my opinion, uh, he immediately becomes, and he's close already, but he becomes all time yeah. in the comic book genre in terms of directors. And he might end up being, in my opinion, the the most impressive one. Because from who, Raimi? Well, right now, I mean, okay, I can't have this conversation here. No, because really, <laughs> I'll talk for half hour. hour. <laughs> for me, right now, it's like Raimi. Nolan would hate that you put him in that conversation, but like, yeah, put Nolan in there. But the fact that he will have done so many different things that are yeah. all of immense quality, in my opinion, is mm-hmm. wild to me. Um, that that he will be able to do this trilogy that mm-hmm. I agree with Chris. Each one gets better and better. You know what, Chris? We're going to talk about Guardians 2 one day because I don't understand the hate for that film. Me neither. I didn't realize I that either. until like a couple I, years ago. Until we started podcasting, I didn't know that there's so many people who don't like yeah, the second a great one. Movie. Yeah. A lot of people don't like that second one. And I'm like, where did this where did this Beautiful. take happen? Anyway, um, and then he's done. I thought the the R-rated projects he's done have been very good. And then he's going to do Superman. And if he brings Superman to glory, my gosh, that's, that's look at the diversity of that catalog and filmmaking skills. But, uh, Zeddy. Yeah. Wow. This, this is, you're like car keys, but we never lose you. (laughs) We never always have hope. You're always there. We can always find you. You are always, I'm always in the sky. Just, just look up, (laughs) just look around. (laughs) <laughs> Amanda, this has been fine. Seriously, oh, yeah, thank you. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. Um, well, thank we'll, you for the invitation. We'll do really all our plugs it. at the end, but let it, let everyone know where they can find you, sir. Uh, sure, you can uh, check out my uh, website bychriscloud.com. There's uh, socials there. I uh, was recently a guest on Anthony Desiato's Digging for Kryptonite podcast. We did a three-hour breakdown of Dark Knight's death metal. Which uh, which was a lot of fun, although a little tiring. Uh, not so much the talking about it, but uh, reading everything was a little. Yeah, you know, sure. there's a lot of there's a lot there. Um, I thought Final Crisis was dense. I was wrong. Um, <laughs> and then uh, the comic binge, of course, with uh, the the Carusos and Zeddy. You'll have to come on at some point. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll make that happen. That's I'm that's tired of trolling Paul in the comments. I agree. 
Yeah. I'll, I'll troll him at his house. You know, you know, I it is to egg somebody on for an hour and 15, 20 minutes. It's hard, man. <laughs> well, all I got to do is drive 10 minutes and, and just yell at his door. Awesome. And we'll be, we'll be fine. Um, love you, Paul. Uh, love you, love you, Paul. <laughs> also, uh, discovery debrief, a Star Trek podcast. Our most recent episode was a comparison of the first season finale, which is called a quality of mercy to the original series episode called balance of terror because that that first season finale of the new show basically remixes the events of that original episode so we kind of compare and contrast it's the first episode featuring the romulans so it's a pretty important one um and uh yeah you can find me on uh twitter or whatever the hell it's called at chris class Nice, nice. Mr. C, where can everybody now everybody could find me at Ed Caruso Jr. on the X. I just want to fly out by these guys one day, Nick, and eat donuts and pancakes with them. Dude, King's own breakfast, man. Dude, I love it. It always looks it it always looks fantastic. Poodle dog. Uh, I'm keeping it short, Nico. Go ahead. Uh you can follow me everywhere at Nico Caruso, (laughs) Twitter, Instagram, letterbox at Nico Knows Film on TikTok, a bunch of other shows we do around our socials. Just holler there. Zedward Nigma. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, of course, you guys can follow this show on Twitter at Vigilante1939. Subscribe to our YouTube show, YouTube channel, excuse me, of course. That's just the name of the show. It's you public store, though the weather's changing, so go give yourself a nice <laughs> V39 hoodie on us or my personal favorite pins, as Nico's pointed out. I'm a sucker for a good pin. Go, you know, go rock that. There was the one show where he led with pins or buttons. He's like, buttons. Yeah, yeah, buttons. you could get buttons. I'm like, why don't you tell people about the other apparel for blank <laughs> anyway of course uh i'm on twitter and letterbox at nick zendik i am currently having a blast just reviewing current and older movies uh so i'm always checking out at least a few things every week so go 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 give me a follow on letterbox that would be much appreciated uh and of course i do want to thank chris as well again thank you so much sir. dude it, it was so uh, special it was so special chris thank, thank you, you so much for everything man no i really appreciate the invitation it's always good to connect with you guys zeddy i'm glad we got to share a, a podcasting table yeah, so yeah. To speak. and uh if you ever need anything yeah. else from me i'm always around that's awesome. i love it <laughs> it was a love blast it. to have you on here i really really yeah mean on here. it was seriously and of course all the all the um handles and everything will be pinned in the episode description as well so uh, in case you guys, which shame on you if you tuned out by, by this point, shame on you, but I know you all stick around, uh, but that's neither here nor there. So that's going to be out do it for this week's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed the discussion and we will be back. But until next time for Nico Crusoe, for his father, Nick Crusoe Jr., Chris Clow, I'm Nick Zendik, And as Michael Keaton's Batman always says, I want you to tell all your friends about me. <laughs>